Welcome to POP, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with Pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. So we're starting a new series today on Corinthians, the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians, and we're calling it The Divided Church of Christ. Now it's pretty easy for us to lament the state of the church today, just like we lament as we look at the world around us. Because what do we see? We see so much division, so many ways that the church and the world is broken and fractured. And then there's this sentiment that sometimes you'll hear. People will say, if only we could get back to the good old days of the early church before everything got broken. But... (laughs) Some of you are laughing, and the people of you who are laughing have read the New Testament. Because as soon as you start reading these letters in the New Testament, you find out, no, they were divided from the very beginning. There were problems. So First and Second Corinthians are letters. They were written by real people to real people of these congregations And what we see in these letters are these people who often screw things up royally. And here are the people that God chose to build and grow the early church. Guess what? People just like you and me. So we're going to start today with the beginning of 1 Corinthians. And Paul writes this letter to the church in Corinth. Now it's important to remember this church is a church that Paul started He planted this church, and he stayed for a while to develop this congregation. And then after he left to do other things and plant other churches, he stayed in contact with them. So even though we call this Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, it isn't actually his first letter. We know that there is mention that he wrote at least one other letter before this to them. We just don't have it in our Bible. And then the Corinthians wrote at least one letter back to Paul that he references within this letter. And then Paul says in this letter that he is about to go and visit them after he writes this. So he has this back and forth relationship. So I mention this because it's important to remember that what we have is a small part of this larger conversation. So to to really try and understand what Paul is saying here, we have to see it in the context of this bigger relationship that he was having with this church. Well, let's start. Here's the beginning of this letter, the first letter to the Corinthians, at least in the Bible. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the partnership of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, if I were you, what I would be thinking right now is why did you stop reading there? Because what is that? If you looked 
this up in your Bible, you would see a heading that said, salutation or greeting. This is just Paul being very long-winded, saying hello, right? Using all these run-on sentences. Why do we care about how Paul says hello? Let's get to the rest of it. But actually, when you read this whole letter, and then you go back and look at this greeting, Paul is very intentional about how he chooses his words here. And there's a lot that you can read in between the lines. And so let's look at one particular part of this passage. This is, these are verses 4 and 5. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus for in every way you have been enriched in him in speech and knowledge of every kind. So we're going to leave that, those verses up for a minute because we have to remember that the reason that Paul is writing this letter in the first place is that he received this report from someone named Chloe. And Chloe had just spent some time there. And then Paul also received this letter from the people in the church in Corinth. And in both of these reports, Paul finds out that there are a lot of problems. They are messing things up royally. There are a lot of bad things going on in Corinth right now. So let me tell you just an overview of some of the problems that Paul addresses. First, Paul finds out that there are these different camps that have formed within this church. And so there are some people who are on camp or team Paul, and there are some people on camp Apollos, and there are some people on camp Cephas or Peter. And so we have these different people who prefer one pastor or one leader to another. Imagine that, sometimes that happens, and they're divided over it. They can't agree because no, we wanna be like Paul. No, we wanna follow Apollos. No, we wanna follow Peter, and they can't get along. So there are all these factions in the church based on which leader certain people prefer. And then Paul finds out that within this church, there are members who are caught up in legal battles with one another. So they are suing one another in the Roman courts which means that their disagreements aren't even just internal. Like the people all around them in the community can start to see all the problems that this church is facing. And then we find out that there is a mix of wealthy and poor members within this congregation, the high and low class. And it turns out that the higher class members are not always getting along with the lower class members. And even when they get together to celebrate the Lord's Supper, the wealthy members are getting there early and they're eating everything before the poorer members arrive so they don't have to share a meal with all those lower class people. So that's going on in the church. And then there's even, I love this part, there's a great scandal that Paul hears about. Apparently some well-known prominent member of the congregation, everyone knows that he has been sleeping with his father's mother. So he has this ongoing, very public affair with his stepmother, and no, everyone knows about it, and no one is doing anything about it. Now, beyond these scandals, Paul hears that there's this general arrogance and pompous attitude going on within this church, and it's spilling out into worship. So in worship, the people are lording their spiritual abilities over one another, saying, mine is more important and better than yours. Paul picks on the people who are speaking in tongues, and they say these people are speaking in tongues, and you're doing it to show off, to show your neighbors how much of a better Christian you are than them. So all of that is going on, and Paul is about to get into that in all of his letter, and then he starts out like this. Is he being real? 
I give thanks to my God every day because of you, because of the grace of God that has been given to you in Christ. You've been enriched in every way. Really? There's some scholars that even think maybe Paul is just being sarcastic because he's about to call him out for all of these things like a couple verses later. But I don't think so. There are times where Paul is sarcastic and he has these burns against the churches he's writing to. But this isn't one of those times. See, actually, he's making a point. Paul does not thank the Corinthians. Paul gives thanks to God for the ways that God has enriched them. You see, they may be a people who are kind of puffed up, but they do have some good things going for them. Actually, right after this, Paul says that you are not lacking in any gift. Like, you have a lot of gifts among you. You have everything you need. Even when you just think about their location, Corinth was this port city on the Mediterranean, and it was on the eastern edge of the empire, which meant there was a lot of wealth because of all the trade, and there was a lot of sharing of ideas. You had all this culture of east and west meeting in this place. So just because of where they are, this community was rich in material goods, it was rich in culture and intellect, and then they developed this rich spiritual life. And so it makes sense that they get a little puffed up. They start feeling a little better than all those little bumpkin churches that they hear about. And so Paul tries to put all this in perspective and change their outlook. He says, yeah, you have everything you need. So I give thanks to God for it because it was God who gave you everything you had. It's not because of you. Later on, Paul says this more pointedly in chapter 4. He says it this way. What do you have that God hasn't given you? nothing. And if everything you have is a gift from God, then why boast as though it were not a gift? I mean, I look at this and I'm hard pressed to think of any part in scripture that's more countercultural to our culture today. Why would you boast about anything, people? Everything you have, everything you've done, it is all because of gifts from God. So one of my favorite shows to watch as a family right now is Bluey, and raise your hand if you know about Bluey. You have kids or young grandkids or nieces, yep, exactly. So Bluey is awesome, it's this silly show about the Healer family, this Australian family of dogs, and they play a lot of silly games, and I was so excited because I was gonna show some clips and have some, or have some pictures up, and then Q talked with me about copyright laws, and apparently we don't have the legal right to do any of that stuff, so I was very bummed. So then I got here this morning, and I find this shirt sitting, well, actually, Pat handed it to me. So I found this shirt. So here's the Bluey family. We have such a wonderful staff. So thank you for turning that around, Q and Pat. So this is, yeah, that's right. Let's hear it for them. <laughs> Buying shirts off of Amazon for their pastor. This is great. So on the surface, this is just kind of a silly show where this family of dogs play all these goofy games. So the kids love it. But I've heard from so many parents and grandparents that it's really touching to them. It's brought them to tears. Because through these games, these everyday encounters, you see the joys and struggles that we all face when you're raising children. But there's this one episode in particular of Bluey called The Library. And it starts out with little Muffin. This is Bluey and Bingo's cousin. And Muffin is driving in the car in the back seat with her dad. And she's talking about whatever she's talking about. And then she says, Dad, there's an orange light. Dad, you ran through the orange light. He says, uh, yeah. 
Oh, well, orange light means you have to slow down and stop. Didn't you see it? Yeah, I saw it. Well, don't you know that means slow down and stop? Why didn't you slow down and stop? Has anyone else been asked that question? (laughs) None of you are. You are not all that good of drivers. I'm calling you out. No, I have been asked that question. Our oldest is only four, okay? And what I usually say is the reason I didn't stop for that yellow or red light is because you were fighting or screaming or going on about whatever, and so I was too distracted to pay attention to the road, so be quiet. But that doesn't happen in the show. They're much better parents than me. And so the dad says, well, I I didn't stop because it was a special case. Kid says, oh, okay. Are you special, dad? He says, well, yeah, a little. Am I special? Oh, like any good parent would, right? What do you say to that? Are you special? You are the most special kid in the whole wide world. And she says, ooh, that's interesting. So then she gets to her cousin's house and they start to play and it doesn't go well. And the kids keep fighting with one another and fighting. And then eventually the other kids, Bluey and Bingo, they go in to the adults and they say, it's not any fun. She's not following the rules. And so Muffin's dad asks, well, did she say why? They're like, yeah, she said she's the most special kid in the world, and so she doesn't have to follow the rules. Has anyone else had their words thrown back at them? You thought we're great at the time, maybe not so great. So the dad goes back in to talk with Little Muffin, and he says this great line. He says, you know how I told you you were the most special kid in the world? Well, you're not. (laughs) Now, when I heard that as a parent, I was like, no, you can't say that. You can't tell your kid they're not special, but you know what, it's kind of true. So he says, you're not. You're special to me and your mom. Of course we love you, but you're not special to everyone else. And so you have to follow the same rules as everyone else. Now I bring this up because I get the sense Paul is kind of saying the same thing to this community in Corinth. Let's put up the second verse from this passage up on the screen. To the church of God that is in Corinth, To those who are sanctified, this means being made holy in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, holy ones. So you have been sanctified. You are special. You have been called to be saints. But what does the next line say? Together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have this special calling. Just like every other Christian on the face of the planet. So if you think being special means that you are better, you are more important than anyone else, I've got news for you. You are not. When we think about being special, this is the thing that most people mention today. It's become kind of an insult, right? That you're special, you're a snowflake. And why do we say that? Because in theory, at least, in nature, every snowflake is unique. I have a little problem with that because has anyone checked all of them? Like, do we really know all of them are unique? But in theory, they're all unique. They're all special. But think about this for a minute. When you zoom out just a little and look at the snow, what do you see? You see something like this. How special are they now? They're all pretty much the same. Yeah, if you look at them up real close, they're all a little bit different, but they're all pretty much the same. No single snowflake is more special than another one. And here's the other thing. They never work alone. Snowflakes, they always work together, 
right? The only way that they change the landscape and create something beautiful, a beautiful scene like this, is when they're all part of something bigger than themselves. I wonder what it would be like if we saw our calling as Christians more like this. Or what if we saw our calling as children of God more like this instead of just on our own. So you, people of peace, you are special. You have been sanctified. You have been called to be saints along with every other child of God in the world like everyone else. There are a lot of reasons why, personally, I find myself taking pride in our community. I am proud to be a part of peace. I'm proud to be part of our kind of branch or brand within Christianity. I mean, I am super proud to be part of a community that is, tries really hard to be intentionally clear that no matter what, you are welcome here as you are. I am so proud to be a part of this kind of community. I'm also proud to be part of the ELCA, which has this theological tradition where people are well-educated and we have this nuanced view of interpreting scripture that's not just this very narrow, always literal lens. I'm proud of that. But I'm probably most proud of being surrounded by all these Christians who are so much better people than I am. I mean, all these Christians who have this heart for compassion and for justice and don't just want to care for the poor, but want to make the world a better place for the poor and the oppressed and the marginalized. I am so proud of all these things. Maybe you are proud of some things too. And it is so easy for that pride to become toxic arrogance. Where we're always looking down on everyone else. Because we think we're the only ones who are right. We think we are so much better than anyone else. And then we ignore our own faults. Because we all have problems. Now let's think about those snowflakes. The reason why every snowflake is unique is because they crystallize as they're falling. And so their shape is determined by that crystallization procedure and where they are and what the temperature is and how the wind blows them in that moment. That's why they're all different. So just like that, here at Peace, we have a particular path that maybe is unique to us. You and I, we have a particular role to play in God's story. So it's okay to embrace our particular gifts and callings. Paul just reminds us, do that with humility. We have all been given God's forgiveness. We have all been given God's grace because we need it too, just like everyone else. Sometimes we forget that. And when we start to feel cynical, because we all do, we all can look at the world and say, man, these divisions are never going to get better. I think we should turn back to how Paul ends this little greeting. He says this, God is what? Faithful. God is faithful. If God is faithful, that means that each and every one of us, we have a role to play in this story, and ultimately that story in some way will be good news that we get to be a part of. Amen.